I got to say that, and I'm not just saying this because you're here and they're not, but I will say that the first service is more lively than the second service, and you think it would be different. But, you know, we got some fired up people in these first two rows. The rest of you are like, whatever, I'm not fired up, all right? But no, we are so glad that you're here with us today. And if this is your first time with us, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. We hope that you enjoy the service and are encouraged by it. If you're watching online today, we want to welcome you as well. As we finish up this series, One Hit Wonders, and some people have said, well, what does one hit wonders mean? Why is it called that? Because I'm really not seeing the correlation. Well, over the fat past five weeks, what we've done is there's five places in Scripture that the phrase one thing is used. And so we kind of made a adjustment and called it one hit wonders. But we're looking at phrases in Scripture that say one thing. Well, what's the one thing that they're talking about? In fact, um, today we get to talk about um, some cool things called priorities. And um, we were trying to think of some ways our staff, some of our staff, I should say, I wasn't involved in this, as you will well see, but um, some of our staff was trying to think of some ways, like, how can we just bring this to a conclusion? And you know we like to have fun around here. We like to loosen it up just a little bit. And so some of our staff, they were in a meeting, and we have footage of how the meeting went. And so enjoy this gem right here. We've got to get something going. I mean, we got to get this creative team meeting. We got to get some stuff for the One Hit Wonders. Let's I go. know. I know. How about? Listen, guys, not to change the subject, but what if we change our text number from 94,000 to. Hey, not to change the subject, but have we ever thought about changing our name from Miles Haley to... We're gonna rock down to Electric Avenue, and then we'll take it higher. This is ridiculous. Wake me up before you go, go, leave me hanging on like a yo-yo. We're not getting anywhere here. We gotta get some ideas. Jordan, what do you got? You got anything? Oh. Typical student guy. Never listen to me. I've had enough of you, Maya. Sorry, Travis. Everybody was kung fu fighting. That is hit me. Maya, you have to stop hitting people. Go take a walk. Selena, can I just, oh hey, can I file um, a complaint and schedule a meeting with you please? 
Well, maybe Maya could just hit Jordan again for some more inspiration around here. You're right, you're right. I don't want anyone leaving with a... But we need something. Guys, not to change the subject, but I think the question we should be asking is... I got a new dog. You want to come check it out? Maybe it'll help us out. Let's go. Guys, 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 guys. I, I don't know if it's just me, but... I always feel like somebody's watching me. Hey, guys. I just heard music here. What's going on here? Maki. We're trying to be creative for our one-hit wonder series. I told you to invite me, Travis. Don't forget. I'm supposed to preach after that, but you thought Maki's lip syncing was off, but he was actually singing Japanese. That's why it didn't look quite the same. So no, but we do like to have fun around here and enjoy ourselves when we come to church. God made laughter and it's okay to laugh even when you're at church. But we have been in this series on One Hit Wonders and, and today we are going to talk about priorities. And for some, doing things like that was a priority. You will notice that some of the staff was not in there because we were actually getting work done. And um, no, I'm just joking, all right? But all of us have different priorities. For some of us, family is a priority. We put a high value on family and we want to spend a time with our family. For others, it's our, our job, our career. We want to advance. We want to uh, make a living. We want to succeed at what we do. Um, some place a priority on gym, on the gym and being physically fit and eating right. You know, you talk to them and they're uh, eating clean. I don't know what that means, but they're eating clean, as you can tell by my physique. I don't eat clean, all right? Um, but they put a high priority. All of us have different priorities in life. All of, and some of those things that we mentioned and all the things that I just mentioned, there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing bad about um, having things that are important to you in life and making sure that uh, they take up your time and that you spend your time on those things. And the story we look at today is of two sisters, Mary and Martha, that have a meeting with Jesus. And you can tell that their priorities are a little bit different of what this meeting should look like with Jesus and what they want to happen as Jesus comes to their house. Now, some of you are sitting here and you're like, well, um, you like to skip ahead and be like, well, I know what we're going to say. We're going to say that Jesus should be our priority. And no duh, all right? <laughs> this is church. And yes, Jesus should be your top priority, all right? But we're going to do more than just tell you that Jesus should be your top priority because some of you would be like, man, it's only 10 o'clock and we're getting out already. This is awesome. Thank you. I know Jesus top priority. Let's go. But instead of just telling you this is what you should do, we're going to tell you how you should do it because we think this story there's some things that we see how we do it this last week my daughter got her driver's license or the week before last and so she now is on the road so if you see a red hhr 
wave, okay? I'm not going to say anything bad. Just wave at it, all right? But one of the things that you have to do, and if you remember, um, I never went to, I'm, I'm so old, I didn't have to take any kind of school classes to get my license. I just took a test, and then I said, here you go. And all right, it was great back in the dark ages when we didn't have things to worry about, all right? But now you have to go to all these classes, and it costs you like $600 here in Michigan. God bless Michigan. Let's charge us for something else, all right? And so um, one of the things that you learn is how to parallel park, right? And it would be one thing, and, and we put such an importance, and I have talked to some adults that are like, I don't parallel park ever. I just, if it's a parallel parking spot, I find another spot. I'll drive an extra mile just so I don't have to parallel park. But they teach you how to parallel park. Can you imagine the instructor being out there when you take your test, like, you stink at parallel parking. Well, thank you. Are you going to show me how to do it? Nope. It's just going to tell you you stink at parallel parking. No, they tell you how. And I was working with Chloe out in the parking lot the day before her test, and we're out here, and we got cones set up, and uh, Gwen, her friend, was out there with her. And I, so I get in the car, and she goes, all right, they tell you to pull up to this point, and then you cut your wheel 90 degrees, and then you get to your mirror, and then you straighten it out, and then you get to this point, and you turn it again. And when she did that, she walked through it, and lo and behold, we were parallel parked perfectly. Why? Because she knew how to parallel park. It wasn't just that she knew she needed to parallel park. She knew the steps to take to make it happen. And so if you need her to walk you through parallel parking, we have some cones set up outside. As soon as service is over, my dog, no, I'm just joking, all right? But we know that Jesus should be a priority in our life. We understand that. But many of us are like, I, I want to make Jesus a priority, but I'm not exactly sure how that should happen in my life because life can be overwhelming and things can hit us sometimes and we're like, man, I, I, I know I have these priorities, but I also know what's pulling at me and what needs my attention and what things I have to do. And so today, I think in this story, we're going to see some things. In fact, I know in this story, we're going to see some things that will help us understand how to make Jesus the priority of our life. But before we jump in today, can we just take a moment and ask God to bless us? All right, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you today that you love us and that you care about us. We thank you that we can come together and spend some time in Scripture seeing this story of the interaction that you have with Mary and Martha. God, we're grateful for Scripture. We're grateful for the Holy Spirit that guides us as we read it and we listen to it. And I just ask today that um, we would be focused on what you have for us. That we would be sensitive to the Spirit's leading in a heart. Lord, I ask that I would, my mind would stay clear and focused and that I would say the words that you would have me to say. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross for our sins. We thank you that you love us and that you care about us and that your grace and your mercy are extended to us freely. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in Luke chapter number 10. Luke 10. So if you have a copy of the scripture or you got it on your phone, or if you don't, we've got it right up here on the screen. But Luke chapter 10 and verse number 38 says this. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. So this is Jesus and the disciples. They're traveling around. Jesus is teaching. He's preaching. He's healing people. He's performing miracles. They're walking around. They enter a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed, her into, welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now, can you imagine? Let's just put ourselves in this spot because for some of us, we've heard this story 
And for some of us, this is just another thing out of Scripture. Like, yeah, I know. But can you imagine Jesus coming to your house? Can you imagine he is like the one that everyone is talking about right now? Hey, have you heard about this guy? I heard from my cousin who said that her neighbor's daughter's friend, Jesus, healed his eyes. And now he can see. Or did you hear, man, when he speaks, thousands of people are coming to hear what he has to say. And what he's saying is different than everything we've heard down at the synagogue. There is something about Jesus stepping foot into their house that gets their attention. And I would hope that it would get our attention too. I mean, think about you that have met famous people, how nuts you go when you meet somebody that's important to you. Oh, I got my picture with so-and-so. Okay. For those that don't, aren't as into it as you are, they're like, big deal. But if you know, if you imagine you Taylor Swift fans, God bless your hearts. <laughs> she was just in Detroit a few weeks ago. If Taylor Swift was coming to your house, for some of you, you wouldn't know what to do. You'd be beside yourself. And so imagine that times a thousand and Jesus is stepping foot into their house. So the scripture goes on in verse number 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Now this story is pretty basic. He comes into Mary and Martha's house. Martha's house and Mary's there. They're friends, they're close, they're sisters. And we think sometimes that Martha gets a bad rap here because she's not doing anything wrong, but she doesn't do what Mary does. She's busy serving. She's busy making sure things are nice. Now, I grew up in a home where the nickname I have for my mom is Martha Stewart. Okay? And the reason is my mom is the ultimate entertainer. Just to give you a taste into my mom's life, Several years ago, we were at my mom's house, and we were getting ready to eat lunch on a Saturday. And so we're going to eat on paper plates because that way it'll save time of doing dishes. But my mom doesn't believe in paper cups. We have to use glasses. And so the conundrum of the afternoon that she spent several minutes deciding was, which glass are we going to use that matches the paper plates that we're going to eat off of? Oh, but it goes a step further. We had to make sure that the tablecloth on the table also coordinated with paper plates that we were going to eat off of. That is the house that I grew up in. My mom made sure everything was nice and neat. My mom, she says, well, the house is so messy. I'm like, this is not messy. You have no idea what messy is. Let me introduce you to my house, all right? And so that is what Martha is about. She thinks this is important. This is a good thing. She's made it a priority to make sure the house looks nice. She's not a bad person. She's not going off doing stupid things. She's trying to make sure that Jesus and his disciples are taken care of. Last week we talked about this rich young ruler who said, listen, I've kept these commandments. He was a good moral person. It wasn't like he was some nut, man. But this, the problem was they missed out. On the thing that Jesus was God. Martha has Jesus, the son of God, sitting in her house and she's worried about making sure everything is put together. What caused her to miss it? Well, there's this phrase in verse 40. We're just going to put that verse up right now. It says, Martha was distracted 
with much serving. She got distracted with much serving. How many times in our life do we miss out on the presence of Christ because we've got too much to do? And that brings us to the first principle that we think can help us through this chapter is this. We need to prioritize Christ with our calendars. We need to prioritize Christ with our calendars. Just like Martha was distracted with much, we fall victim to that too. Think about if you didn't have your calendar for some of you, if it wasn't constantly reminding you of the things that you have going on because you have a ton of things going on. Parents today with multiple children, I don't know how you keep up with your schedule. If your child or children are involved in sports, it seems like the seasons never end anymore. They're going from one practice to another. Well, I've got this child over here in dance, and then I've got this child over here, they have basketball practice, and this child over here is in chess club, and then we're going to swing around and we're going to pick them all up, we're going to eat dinner, and then this other child here has a late night practice for whatever. And that's not just one night a week, that's five or six nights a week. For some of you, your work schedule keeps you going to where you're working 12, 14, 16 hours a day. We get so busy. Your hobbies, your time, and then, hey, oh, summertime's supposed to slow down, but here at Mile City, we're going to have hooked one week, and then in a couple weeks, we're going to do camp, and then, then it's back to fall, and we're going to start city groups, and we got this, this, and this. And it seems like those things... All of a sudden, it's just so much going on. We have to make a choice because sometimes there's more things that we want to do than we really have time to do them. Unfortunately, sometimes those choices affect our church attendance and our involvement in ministries. We're not saying that your church attendance and your involvement in the ministries at Mile City are a reflection on your relationship with Christ, but it is a tension that a lot of you wrestle with. Sometimes this even spills over into our personal time with Christ. Sometimes we're too busy to sit down and pray and open scripture and read what God has to say to us because our schedule just doesn't allow the time. We just can't figure out how we can squeeze that into our schedule. What we learn from Mary is that she chose to sit down and listen. She chose to stop. Some of the versions of Scripture, there's a word in there that said, but Mary also sat at the feet of Jesus. It could be implying that she had been serving, but then when Jesus started talking, she stopped and sat down and listened. Can we encourage you today that when we stop and we listen to what Jesus has to say to us, it fills us up. John 10, 10, there's a verse that says, I am come that you might have life. But he doesn't stop there. He says, I've come that you can have abundant life. And the abundance that Jesus is talking about is not filling our life up with more stuff. Because you don't think that Jesus knew that 2,000 years after he lived that we would live in a society where we fill every minute of every day with everything we can possibly do. He said, listen, I want you to have an abundant life. I want you to have a life that's even better than others. And it doesn't mean you have more stuff in your life. It just means you have peace in your life. In Matthew 11 and verse number 28, Matthew wrote this. He said, come to me. Jesus said, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? More stuff? No, rest. 
Maybe today we need to rest because life is out of control. Maybe we need to prioritize our calendar to include Jesus Christ. And make him the priority that starts our calendar. It's amazing to me. I enjoy golfing. I don't get to do it near as much as I want to. But I've never heard anybody that I've golfed with said, you know what, I've been golfing too much. I've got I to gotta take a break from golfing. I'm, I'm 51 years old. I've been golfing since I was like 12 or 15. I've never heard one time somebody tell me I'm golfing too much. You know where I'm going with this. You want to know how many times I've heard people tell me, I got to take a break from serving. I'm serving too much here at church. Can't do it. My schedule's too busy. We have time for what's important to us. I think what Mary understood is Martha wasn't doing something bad. But the time with Jesus she was missing out on. Here at Miles City, we have this motto, if, especially if you serve in kids, we call it serve one, sit one. And both of those are important because we think it's good for you to come sit here and rest and hear what Scripture has to say. We're not, we don't think anyone should serve every time they come to church. We don't. You need to come and you need to be fed and you need to stop, take a breath and just listen. It's important to hear what Jesus has to say to us. We need to prioritize him in our calendar. So scripture goes on in verse number 40. She's distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. This is pretty bold of Martha. This is a bold statement. Now, this is the first time that Jesus has interaction with Mary and Martha. We know that he does later because their brother Lazarus is, Lazarus is the one that he raises from the dead. He, he forms a, a good relationship. He has a close relationship with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. But this is the first time that we see in Scripture them coming to the, to their, his, the, him coming to their house. Can you imagine being so bold as to walk up G, to Jesus, the Son of God, and call him Lord which means master, and then tell him what he needs to do. Lord, hey, my sister sitting right here, my sister needs to help. Pretty bold of Martha. One, throwing her sister under the bus. They didn't have buses back then, but throwing her under the bus right there while everybody's around. And then... Telling the God of the universe what he needs to do. It's pretty intense. Martha has one thing to say to Jesus, and what does she want to say? She wants to complain about somebody. With her words, we're reminded that we need to prioritize Christ with our conversations. We need to prioritize Christ with our conversations. Now, you can look at this a couple of different ways. Martha's not leaning in to learn from Jesus at this point. In fact, she's telling him what he needs to do. And we kind of laugh at that and we kind of giggle. We're like, oh yeah, that was pretty bold of her. But how many times in our prayer lives do we tell Jesus what he needs to do for us? Lord, 
I believe that you're God and I believe that you're all knowing. Lord, let me tell you what I think you need to do here. I'm struggling, Lord, and I need your help. I don't think Jesus is sarcastic or God is, but sometimes I just imagine him on the throne saying, no, duh. The problem is the help you think you need is not the help that I'm going to give you. What I have to be reminded is, what does our prayer life look like? What does our conversation with Christ look like? How do we talk to him? If we believe that he's Lord, maybe that should change the way that we talk to him. The flip side of this coin is, what does our conversation look like with other people? What dominates our conversation with others? How do we talk to other people? If there was a part, Jordan wrote this message, and if there was a part I would have left out, it would have been this. I would have stopped at that first part about just talking to Jesus. Because I'm a very sarcastic person. I know that surprises some of you. And you that don't know me, if you do, you'll find out I have a sarcastic tongue. And I got convicted as I was studying this this week. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be fun to preach. Because I know there's going to be people sitting in there in the audience saying, I wish he'd listen to himself talk. (laughs) But I can't just skip the parts of Scripture that apply to me. i got to tell them too. But how do we talk to others? Do we lift people up with our words? Do we encourage them? Proverbs 18 tells us that our tongue has the power of life and death. What we can say can build others up and encourage them or it can defeat and discourage them. Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and her sister comes up and talks to Jesus and complains to Jesus about her sister sitting right there. We don't know Mary's response, but can you imagine how she felt at that time? How did Mary respond to this? These are two grown ladies and Martha's acting like a little kid tattling on her sister. Like Jesus didn't know Mary was sitting right there. So how do we prioritize Christ in our conversation? We have to be intentional. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Easier said than done. There's a verse in Matthew that talks about that we're going to give account for every idle word, everything that comes out of our mouth. Um, Wednesday night I was bringing um, Liam over for students. We were running a few minutes late, and then that was the night the storm came through, so like lights were out everywhere. So I always go, we live in Canton, and I always go down Lily, but I chose Haggerty. Because the light, I knew Lily had a light that was out and it was super backed up. So we get to the top of the hill over here on the other side of Hines. And the traffic is stopped because that light is blinking. And I look in my rearview mirror and I see a van coming. I'm like, this guy's about to hit us. And sure enough, he did. He smacked us in the back end. Thankfully, the car ahead of me was moving so I didn't hit it. So it wasn't both sides of my car. Everybody was fine. It wasn't a big deal. It was just a fender bender. But for once in my life, I remembered what I was working on this week. (laughs) And I kept my mouth shut. 
I didn't say some choice words towards the guy that wasn't paying attention. And I got out, and I was upset because it's a pain in the rear end when your car gets hit. And everybody was okay. And lo and behold, the guy was a super nice guy. And he was apologizing up and down. And I was like, for once, I modeled for my son, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. And I'm not a guy that cusses a lot. I wasn't going to cuss the guy out, but I might have called him an idiot or something like that. But how many times in our life do we allow words to tear people down? When Christ is a priority in our life, it affects our conversation. See, we rise by lifting up others. We don't rise by tearing them down, but by building them up. One of the best ways that we can build them up is by sharing the gospel with them. I'm so excited every time I walk out there and I see that. For some of you, you might not understand what those ping pong balls in the box out there are. And that, that basically that, those ping pong balls represent conversations that people in our church have had to other people with, about Jesus. The white balls represent, hey, I told somebody about Jesus and what it means to be a Christian. The yellow balls represent that person gave their life to Christ. They accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. This is an initiative that we've taken on this year to remind us that, hey, our conversation should be about Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't had a conversation with somebody, if everybody in this room had a conversation with somebody about Jesus, that box would fill up next week. I want to encourage you, make that a priority. Because if Jesus Christ is our priority in our life, it's going to affect our conversation. The story goes on. Jesus has an answer for Martha. Luke 10 and verse number 41 says this. I'm sorry, Judy, I just skipped the slide. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing, there's that phrase, one thing. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Martha's distracted from Jesus' presence. She uses her time to complain to him and tell him what to do. And so what does Jesus respond? He corrects her. Which reminds us that if Jesus is prioritized in our life, we need to prioritize Christ with our correction. Martha called Jesus Lord, but she told him what to do and he corrected her about it. If Jesus is Lord to us, are we willing to take his correction in our life? Some of us don't like being told what to do. That's why some of you work for yourself. You don't want somebody telling you what to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some people are disposed to be able to just figure things out on their own. They don't need somebody telling them all the time. We live in a nation, America, where we were founded on the principle we know how to do it better, and so we're going to do it. I mean, that's ingrained in us as Americans that we know best. And it's hard sometimes to take correction. One of the things about Jesus is he loves us, so he corrects us. He's not in the room with us. He's not physically here, so how does he correct us in our life? Well... One of the ways is through the word of God, through scripture. When we open scripture, when we read it, James talks about it, it's like a mirror. We're looking in a mirror and when we see the things we need to change, 
you spend time in scripture, it should convict you, it should correct you. There should be some things in there that make you feel a little uncomfortable. One of the ways we as pastors on staff, one of the things that God's empowered us and encouraged us to do is to correct you. It's not like we walk around like, ooh, I can't wait to tell so-and-so they're wrong. In fact, we hate it. We don't enjoy it. That's one of the things that you should listen to. If you're going to a church where you trust and believe what the pastors are saying is true, then when they say things you disagree with, that should be correction, not like, well, I'm not going back there. I have kids. I correct my kids. If you have kids, I'm not going to correct them. They're not mine. Sometimes we think about that and The reason that we should enjoy the correction of Jesus Christ in our life is because it shows that we're his child. Here's the thing we struggle with. We know that Jesus meets us where we are. I've talked to some people that say, "I, I need to get my life straightened out before I come to Jesus. That's not how scripture teaches it works. In fact, Jesus came to meet us exactly where we are. He loves us for who we are. He created us. We're created in his image. But when Jesus saves us, when Jesus comes to live in our life, he doesn't leave us the way we are. He changes our life. He changes us for the better. He corrects us. See, Jesus didn't die for our Sunday best, but our Saturday mess. And some of us take that idea that Jesus loves us while we're sinners and, that think, and we think that that means we can just continue how we are and nothing needs to change because Jesus loves us. But when Jesus loves us, he corrects our sin. I dare you to find in scripture anywhere where Jesus didn't correct sin in people's lives. I was thinking about the story of the woman caught in adultery, which is such a, a horrible story because where was the man caught in adultery? Why didn't they bring him to Jesus too? They only brought the woman. Jesus doesn't say anything. He just gets down and he starts writing things in the sand. And those that brought the woman, whatever he wrote, it doesn't tell us what he wrote. They were convicted enough to walk away and leave her alone. Jesus looks up at her and says, where are those that are your accusers? He said, there's none left, Lord. He goes, I don't accuse you. But then he makes this statement, go and sin no more. He doesn't leave her the same. He says, hey, listen, I took care of those trying to set you up. I know what's happening here. But he encourages her to sin no more as she walks away. Anytime in Scripture people met sinners, he didn't leave them as sinners. He corrected their sin and encouraged them to be what he would called them to be. And correction is hard to take in our life. We don't enjoy it, but yet it's necessary. Maybe today you need to ask yourselves, where in my life am I resisting correction? Is there something that Jesus has told me to let go of that I'm not willing to do? Is there a direction that I'm going that I know that Christ has told me to go a different direction and I've been resisting that? What is he calling you to that you've turned from? Take the correction of Christ. Prioritize that in your life. So we see this story of two ladies here. We see Martha. Who missed out. She was too busy. She was busy with much service. Her conversation to Jesus was not really the one that if Martha was choosing what was written down in scripture. She'd go, yeah, I wish they wouldn't have wrote that in there. 
could have left that out because I guarantee you Martha said a lot of sweet things to Jesus. She loved Jesus. And then I think she responded well to the correction. But then you have Mary who, when you look through these things, it seems that she modeled these things. Her conversation, in this whole story, Mary never says a word. She just listens. Jordan put in this thing, like sometimes if we can't say something nice, we just need to shut up. And Mary, she kept her mouth shut. She didn't need to say anything. She was listening. And today we all know, you know when you come to church, you're going to hear that Jesus should be a priority in your life. But how are you going to make him a priority? For some of us, we need to go home today. We need to sit down and we need to look at our calendars. When you say, when am I giving Jesus the time that he is due in my life? What needs to change so I can spend more time with Jesus? Maybe some of us, we, have to, we need to go apologize to somebody for something that we've said and say, listen, I want to prioritize Christ in my life and that's going to affect the way that I talk to you. Or maybe the Holy Spirit's been working in your heart to tell somebody about Jesus, maybe a coworker, maybe a neighbor, maybe a family member. If he's the priority of your life, then take that step of faith. And then the tough one is when that correction comes, be willing to receive it. There's a verse in the scripture that says, for the, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, he corrects. He corrects us because he loves us. And today you might be sitting here and you might be saying, you know what, I have a lot of important things in my life and today I made church a priority, you're here. I'm, I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that you came, but really the most important priority in your life should be Jesus Christ. You say, why? Well, Jesus Christ made us a priority in his life. He left heaven, his home with the Father, and he came to earth to be born as a baby and to live a life knowing that one day he would die. The reason he died was to pay the sacrifice for the sin that we commit. Sin is what we do opposite of the will of God. As adults in here, I don't think we need what sin is explained to us. Because God is holy, he can't have sin in his presence. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay that price. And Jesus loved us. We were such a priority to him that he laid down his life for us. And three days later, he rose from the dead to show that he has the power over sin and death. He is the one that can forgive our sins. And he gave us the ability to have a restored relationship with God. Today, it doesn't matter how good a person you are. It doesn't matter if your priorities seem in the right order to you. If Jesus is not the Lord and Savior of your life, then I promise you there will be a day when it will be too late. And today can be the day that you make him your number one priority. It doesn't mean that everything that you love goes away. It just means there's a shift. And today, if you are interested to in make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. You say, hey, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I need. Today can be the day. So I'm going to just ask us to bow our heads in an attitude of prayer today. And if that's the desire that you have, I want to encourage you to say something like this to him. See, Jesus, I confess my sins to you. And I believe, Jesus, that you are God. I want to thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. 
I want to thank you again for rising from the dead. Today, I lower my pride and I surrender my will to you. I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. I receive you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Lord, for those that prayed that prayer today and the attitude of their heart is to make you the Lord and Savior of their life, I just ask that your Holy Spirit, even right now, speak comfort and peace to their heart. Lord, draw them to yourself. Lord, you never promise a life of ease. The promise is that our life is better with you and that you have a purpose for us. It's like that verse we read, challenge us to come unto you and you'll give us rest. Or for many, they just need rest in you. For us that know you as our Savior, God, I ask today that we would just take this opportunity to look at the priorities in our life and be honest with ourselves to see if you really are the top priority, if you are what we prioritize in our life. We thank you that you love us and that you care for us and that you correct us, Lord. So ask that we would make you more a part of our calendars and our conversation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now today, if you made that decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, we would love an opportunity to talk to you about it. And so if you would just let us know, because we believe that help uh, moving together is better. And so there's a way on the green card, you can mark a box that says, today I put my faith in Christ. Drop it off at the connect area as you walk out. You can catch me in the hallway. We would love to talk to you about that and uh, encourage you in any things. If you say, I don't want to talk to anybody today, I'm nervous, then do me a favor. Would you text the word Mile City? Not to 856-5309, but 94,000. All right, follow the prompt on there, and there's a place that says, hey, I put my trust in Christ, and I'll just follow up with you with a phone call this week. 